Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. When Jesus came, grew up amongst all of the the people of his time and then launched his kingdom and began teaching and called his disciples. He was calling them to a higher practice than most men and women see themselves. We first identify often with our nationality, our nations, our heritage, and yet that is not the way that Christ has identified us. He has identified us according to his kingdom. He has come for his kingdom, which rises above all all, uh, other markers of the Christian's life. When you become a Christian, you don't cease being a Canadian, but the kingdom of God is first. When we look at the world and we obviously see the amazing, can we say, destruction that can take place and repeats and hit the repeat button again and then hit the repeat button again and you know when you look for things to be different on this planet it can't be different when it originates just with us it can't be different when it originates just within nations the difference comes because it originates in the Lord and it originates within the kingdom of God. It originates within the believers, within those where the kingdom of God takes precedence over all things. Two weeks ago, we laid out seven things that have to do with renewal. And if we want renewal or revival in our personal lives, in our families, you need your family renewed, revived. It takes all of these things. If we do these things, we will have renewal. God wants to renew our hearts because it takes renewed hearts to serve his kingdom. When Jesus walked along the shore of Galilee and the most famous calling was, of course, the fishermen, although he called tax collectors and so on. But when he called the fishermen, he basically told them to just drop everything, to come follow him, And he was going to teach them how to become fishers of men. More or less, he said, I'm going to elevate your purpose. I'm going to elevate you to your design, to what I've created, called you to be. I'm not leaving you just to the heritage of your parents passed on to be great fishermen. I am not going to leave you just to being Galileans or to being Jews. I am not going to just leave you to the markers of being a part of the Middle East. I'm not going to leave you with those markers. I'm calling you to a new marker, to be a follower of mine. What that means is he's called us to be servants. Now, this is not a great word. How many here have filled out a job description that said, or put out a request for this? Looking to hire servants. And yet that's what every hire is. There's a song that uh, was written back in the late 70s. And uh, it was, you've got to serve somebody. Bob Dylan. You've got to serve somebody. And the premise of the song was, everybody serves somebody. We, if we won't serve Christ, serve things that only are within time and we serve all the wrong markers. We serve only our nationalities. We only serve our heritage. We only serve our tradition. We only serve our skills or our gifts. We only serve our own selves. What is it that we serve? It could be a myriad of things. Jesus calls and elevated us to a far higher call. Now the disciples felt that call and in following him there was many times they felt completely overwhelmed with 
his teaching and trying to grab what he was saying because so contrary to the normal way of thought and practice and development of their strengths in their life was Christ's teaching that it was hard for them to grab. I'm going to read, start off with one particular reading in Luke 17. And uh, the apostles, it said, came up and said to the master, give us more faith. Let's just stop there for a second and talk about that phrase. First off, it's to the apostles. He identifies them. This is far into the journey. They've been with him a long time now. And now he's talking to them and the apostles ask this question. These are as seasoned of Jesus' followers as there is. And they were looking at faith sort of as something like a power grab, something like if we just if we just get more and then we have more and then we have more and then we have more, then we will be of value. Then we can build great families and then we can build great businesses. And then we and Jesus throws a major correction in here with a couple stories. But the master said. By the way, if you're a master, what do you have? Servants. But the master said, you don't need more faith. What a strange thing that that is to even many Christians in their understanding. You don't need more faith. There is no more or less in faith. If you have just a bare kernel of faith, say the size of a poppy seed, you could say to the sycamore tree, go jump in the lake and it would do it. He's saying, you're concentrating on getting more faith, but you already have far more faith than you'll actually, actually need. He's saying you don't need more faith. He, that's his quote. If I read it in another version, if you can skip to the CEB version, it says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. He's saying, quit concentrating on volume. In fact, let's change the subject of what really you need more of. Because this teaching has to run together. You have to understand, he keeps these subjects together. And so he goes on and he said, would any of you say to your servant who had just come in from the field after plowing or tending sheep, come, sit down for dinner. Wouldn't you say instead, fix my dinner, put on the clothes of a table servant and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you can eat and drink. You won't thank the servant because the servant did what you asked. Will you? In the same way when you have done everything required of you, you should say, we servants deserve no special praise. We have only done our duty. So he says, you don't need more faith. And then he brings up this subject of servant and he goes to this concept of servant that is the most can we say almost humbling almost that we want to push back at the most he puts a picture out there saying look if you're the master and the servant comes in he's been plowing all day and he comes in and what do you say oh come sit down let me fix your dinner let me you know no he says get my dinner ready Wash, get yourself cleaned up, get my dinner ready, and then you can eat. What's his point? Why is he tying faith and servanthood together? I want you to grab that today because the more that we understand servanthood, the more that your faith will be released. Would you accept this kind of a statement? That faith is most powerful, faith is most applicable, Faith is the most, it's the most production through his servants. Faith isn't there to serve you. This is what we get wrong. 
Faith is there, so we are good servants. You see the difference? It's huge. It's a humongous difference. So when we're trying to get more faith so that we can serve our own ends or serve our own you know, dreams or goals, or, and they can even be noble. They can be very noble. They can be very good. But you're getting the cart before the horse because the first thing that's required of you is that you be a servant. Because faith, he says he's already put a measure in every person. You've got more than enough faith right now. What about being a servant? I don't mean just doing service. Let's think about it this way. Let me give you another picture. In another portion of scripture, it's actually found in Philippians chapter two, Paul is writing, identifies the work of Jesus. And he says that Jesus, even though he considered himself equal with God, he's God, fully God, became human so that he might become a servant. He chose to be a servant. So let's take it. King Jesus came and became a servant, even to the death on the cross, it says. See, there's a difference between a king who does service and a king who becomes a servant. Do you see a difference with that? A king can say, oh, I'm going to go do some good things amongst my people today. And he can go out and he sees a need and he helps and he brings some of his resources and fixes a few things, supplies a few things. And then he goes back to his palace and says, my, I was a good king today. That isn't what Jesus did. Jesus became a servant now a king saying, goodbye throne, goodbye throne room, goodbye palace, goodbye security guards, goodbye kitchen staff, goodbye those that make sure that I'm comfortable in every way, goodbye all of my advisors, goodbye all of the resources around me, goodbye. I'm now a servant. That's not just doing service. We're called to be servants. And it's in the life of servants that faith is going to be expressed and enriched and it's going to display itself. One of the great things today, I think it's a bit of a a con, I think, for a lot of people is to think that somehow we're called to just service. Do some good things. Please do good things. Please do many, do more. The world needs good things. But before you even put that on the same scale as anything, become a servant. Because when you become a servant, now you are in a position where God's faith that he has given you, that faith that you have, can be released through the humility and the humbleness of the position and the role that you have. Jesus became a servant so he could die for our sins on the cross and then be raised again, defeating hell and death and offer to us eternal life. We in the same way are called to be servants of the cross and to take up our own cross. Now, how does that work in renewal? Well, let's just take a home for a minute. Husband, wife, father, mother, children. And let's just build it on some acts of service. Funny thing about service, it's kind of when I got the extra time or I have the extra money or I have the extra energy or I have, then I do acts of service. But it's always measured out of what I've got. You become the resource for the service. But let's take out that same home and let's make them servants. 
Now they don't just provide some service for each other. Now they're servants of each other. That's a big change. And the biggest change is that as a Christian, the Lord says that's the place where faith really, really works. And I become the resource of that. Servant now, they're embracing and engaging an identity. I am here as a servant. And so what you get is all the roles of life that you and I are called to. And we fulfill in life. Husband, wife, father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, friend, all of the roles that we take on in life, we are as servants to take and to turn them from just common silver to gold. Take it higher. Now I am a servant. I don't cling to my rights. Read Philippians again. That's what Jesus, it says about Jesus. He didn't cling to his right to be this. He didn't say, hey, I'm God. Quit treating me like this. What are you, how dare you not listen to what I am saying? What disrespectful people you are. Jesus didn't cling to the right or then look at everything through the filter of being that king. He looked at it as I'm here literally to be a servant and my ultimate service will be this servant will die. I will give up my life for you. Deny yourselves. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Servant. Now, if you were a servant in your home, and let's say the house is full of servants, oh my gosh, there is an unending supply of nurture. There's an unending supply of strength. There is this attitudinal support and practical support that isn't measured by just what's in our tank. We are in a partnership with God to be servants in these roles. I am no longer just a husband fulfilling a role. I am here to fill fully the role of husband. Boy, when you start turning words a little bit. Then we start to grab what Christ is wanting these disciples, these apostles to grab on this day. Now, he addresses this teaching to apostles. And, and, and if you go back five verses to the start of this chapter, he first says to the disciples, and then it starts with this, to the apostles. And it's almost like this teaching is so strong and so, how could we say, requires such Dedication, commitment, fortitude, endurance. It so requires such heart-rending humility and change that he's going to the ones that the kingdom will ride on the most. And he says, you don't need more faith. You need to be servants. Now, here's some of the things that get in the way of being good servants. One is I don't want to be a good servant because it feels like I'm giving up my rights. And so if I give up my rights, then who is going to look after my rights? How in the world, you know, if they're willing to acknowledge that they will have to look after me and all of my rights, then I'll give up my rights. Kingdom violation. See, I'm giving you a teaching today that's meant for strong maturity. 
You want to mature, which means to strengthen. Strengthen. You want to mature your relationships. You want to mature how you practice your life on a daily basis, how, it, how you make it stronger. You must get your ID correct. You are called to be servants. Now, here's another thing about servants that we think. We think, oh, I have to choose to become a servant? Like, I have to practice that? Well, okay, here's the other option. Let's look at the other side of the coin. You're already a servant. Let's not kid ourselves. But what you're serving is not freedom. You're serving bondage. Think about it. You're serving bondage to what your flesh wants. I want comfort. I don't want to deal with this issue. I don't want to grow here. Sucks to be you that you're connected to me, but hey. When we... When we really start to understand that we're already in service and, and, and we're serving something of the darkness, that we, we are serving things that do, go no further, they go no further than time and space. And yet Jesus comes on and says, guys, instead of just fishing for fish, I got something so much bigger. Let's get past time and space. I want you to fish for that which is eternal. I don't want you to fish for things that just fill the belly or put food on your table I, I, or a roof over your head. I don't want you just to fish for that stuff. I'm not saying that's, that's bad, you know, but I want you to conduct yourselves in a higher model of what a servant is. I want your servanthood because I want you to serve the bigger things in life because that's what you were wired for. And freedom is defined not as me just being able to do anything. It's me being able to do the things that I am wired for, designed for, that I am absolutely made for. You could say a hammer is never happier than when it's pounding a nail. It's never happy sitting on your bench or it's really happy if it could be happy when it's at work. Design. So it's stepping from servants that's bondage into being a servant of the most high God who has created you, who has called you to life everlasting through his son Jesus. It is coming to a place where your life has purpose. It has this amazing kind of sense that everything is important and he is prepping me for eternity. Let's go to another story. This one is found in Luke 10, and you know this one, 25 to 37. I'm going to quickly go through it. Just then a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole? <laughs> What's the problem? Do you see a problem so far here? Looking for a loophole. This is service versus being a servant. I'm a good person. Are you a servant? Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just, how would you define neighbor? What a beautiful intro to this. So Jesus answered by telling a story. Sometimes a story is just the best answer, isn't it? So Jesus tells this story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him, they beat him up, and went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side of the road. This is a priest. High on the service model. But here we don't have a servant. We have somebody who will do service selectively, who does service out of maintaining a different ID than servant because that's too low
Then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan. Prejudice issues between the two. Huge racism. Uh, the Jews and the Samaritans. Samaritans were, had Jewish blood plus Gentile blood. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, there's a lot in that statement. The other saw, but when this guy saw, when this guy saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Hold it there. His heart went out to him. Here we have what we would describe as compassion, correct? So we see he sees, but he sees differently. The other one saw, but didn't see a need for them to get involved, for them to be a part of bringing healing or hope or health. They only could see that this man was injured. They probably were afraid the robbers might be in the same territory. They didn't want to go through the time and energy expense. They only looked through the lens of service, which is measure the cost before you're going to go do this. Because if you, this is just too much risk here. This man saw with compassion. He saw with a different set of eyes. He saw it as a servant sees it. He saw this man, and it's not just in the emotions that drove him to this. He's talk, when it speaks of the heart, it's talking about the mind. It's talking about you having pre-concluded ideas of how you're going to respond. Your idea has been set. He knows who he is, and he knows this guy's a Jewish guy. He understands the barriers. None of that stuff comes to mark. It doesn't matter. He's not defined by his nationalism in his response. He's not defined by his gender in his response. He's not defined by anything in this world that they want to carve you up into. He's defined by the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching, who is your neighbor? When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey and led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Jesus comes back to this lawyer. Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? Gee whiz, that's a good question. The one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded. Jesus said, go and do the same. This is an incredibly well-known story, probably one of the best-known stories out of the scriptures. And Jesus told it, to set the record straight about the difference between just service selectively practiced in man's hearts versus being servants. He does this because he wants us to understand our call. And everybody listening also begins to understand they are called to be servants and not called to just do service. When you take that kind of attitude into every area of your life, I am a servant here. All of a sudden, the way that you carry out every role will change. It'll go from silver to gold. You're gonna do being a husband, a wife differently. You're gonna do being a father, a mother differently. You're going to do being a sibling differently. You're gonna do being a son or daughter differently. You're gonna do every role in life differently. You're gonna do being a business person differently. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna do mechanic differently. You're going to do salesperson di- differently. You're gonna do everything differently because you are a servant of the kingdom that knows no boundaries on this planet. When you pray for world conditions now, I would really encourage you 
to pray for God's servants in those regions? There'll be, there'll be many. They'll be in all different forms of living and life. But you pray for God's servants. And you pray that they be, have courage in their hearts. That even though there's risk from bandits and robbers, they will do the right things. They will carry out the higher commands of the kingdom of God. That they will not be trapped within just nationalism identities but that they will instead be released into actually what we are all called to do. And when we respond and receive Christ, we become an owner in the kingdom of God. We are now servants under our king. Another way of putting that is we're first here for Jesus. Not anything else, not anyone else, not any other authority first. Here are five reasons why we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Because God has prepared you for it. If you're a Christian, here's what he's doing. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do, he's talking about once you be, you're saved by receiving Christ. Now you are God's handiwork, you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do it. Do you know there's all kinds of servants right now in Russia and in Ukraine? Servants of God. They're not just in life doing some service. There are servants. They need our prayers. They need you to lift them up because God is going to use them in those given situations. He's going to use them to work for the good of the kingdom of God. He's going to use them to bring healing and hope. He's going to use them to bring encouragement. He's going to use them so that they are really salt and light in the middle of the most horrific things. Now, that is no different than you being servants in your own house under your own roof, not just bringing service. You are created for it. He's prepared in advance that you should do this. Secondly, purpose. When it comes to actually loving our neighbor, he's identifying this as a clear purpose for all of us. Now it is something that if you try to just do with service, it's so selective. You're gonna, you're gonna respond because this personality fits you and you like this better. This person has got these kind of traits that I'm more attracted to. I don't mind helping here or there or, or I really am drawn to just this kind of person. They're going through this. The other stuff doesn't really bite me. Servants don't select service. They come in from plowing fields, hot, sweaty, tired muscles and they clean up so that they can serve their master meal. You get to feed Jesus. Think about it. To feed Jesus. How? How am I doing that? By simply serving the things that he came to serve. Being a servant. Then there's pain. Two types of pain I want to go to. There's pain in this world all around us. And he's called you to love your neighbor because there's brokenness in pain. But he's also called you to pay a cost because love costs you. You want true love in your family. You want true love in your marriage. It's going to cost you. It is not find the right song, get the right mood, have the right moment. It is identifying I'm a servant. I look through things, the, the, the lens of my heart differently. I am looking at the things around me differently. I am ultimately here as a steward of God in being this husband, being this father, being this son, being this wife, being this mother, being this daughter. I am in service and stewardship to you. These are yours. I am here as your servant. Help me. Power. 
Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. He can do, he can do more than you can ever imagine, only though in servants. His work within us. Servants. Oh, you're being called to a higher call. You're not being called to be a better fisherman. You're being called to be a fisher of men. You're not being called to be better, just use your faith to be better at some things you're already good at or things that you will selectively choose. You are called to be a servant and God directs his servants on a daily, hourly, minute by minute, moment by moment, second by second basis all around this planet. What our world needs is God's servants. Servants that in the humility that they found in coming to Christ, now live out that humility in all of the roles and being a servant of quality. So Jesus told another story. Boy, he loved stories. And he talked about how men were left with a certain portion of money. And he was going off. And then he would return, but they were left with this charge and with this investment and to look after his investments. So you have one goes out and doubles five to, uh, five to 10, one goes out and doubles two to five, one goes out and doubles one, uh, not doubles, sorry, plants it in the ground and says, this man was not a servant. Here's the words that the Lord, when he comes back and he holds them to account, he says to them, Say, what did you do with what I left you? What I gave you? How did you carry this out? Well, the first servant said, hey, I went out and I've been able to double it. Here's yours. The other one, and and he says to him, you remember what he said? Well done, thou good and faithful. Next one, same thing. Well done, good and faithful. And then he comes to this one that buried it in the ground. Do you remember what he said to him? You wicked and lazy and slothful servant. To the first two, he says, enter into the joy of your Lord. To this one, he sends him to a different place. These guys, by the power of the Lord working in their lives, were able to double what God had given. You don't have a power shortage. You might have a servant shortage, you know. Maybe that's why the relational world needs to actually have greater power. And it's not you saying, hey, give me more faith. He's saying, give me more servanthood. The faith is there. And as you live out being a servant, I promise you that faith will enrich, it will come forward, it will respond to the challenge of being a servant. And finally, passion. Luke 9, 62, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. That was that one servant. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for, the ser- for service in the kingdom of God. He's saying, my kind of service can only happen in servants. Matthew 23, 11, Jesus said, the greatest among you, he's talking about in his kingdom, the greatest among you will be your servant. That'll be their role. You want to know the greatest among you? It's not the ones that say, oh man, I got great faith, or wow, I just got another hit of faith, or no, it's those that act out of being a servant. What do you say, oh Lord? I will obey. You tell me. Is this what I'm supposed to do in this marriage? I will obey. Is this what I'm supposed to do you know, uh, in, in, with my family? That's what I will do. I will obey. Is this what I'm supposed to do in my business? I will obey. I will obey. Is this what I'm supposed to do in my circle of friends? I will obey. I will obey. Is this what I'm supposed to do with my enemies that are against me? I will obey. I will obey. Oh man, these are tough words. Remember, it's meant for apostles. 
It is. Some blanks for you to fill in at the very end. Fulfill our roles or fill fully our roles or fill full our roles. A servant will fill their roles fully. Nothing's going to keep me from being that kind of dad. Nothing's going to keep me from being that kind of father. Nothing's going to keep me from being this representative of yours in my business. Nothing is going to keep me from being this Lord for you in my circles. I will bring fullness to these roles. Imagine servants rising to bring fullness to the role. Now let's read Philippians 2, 6, and 8, which I've already quoted, but let's read it. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant by throne. Imagine if he said by throne at home. By throne. They're not here just to serve me. I am here to be their servant. Goodbye, throne. You want renewal in this world? You need to say goodbye to your throne so that his throne can be established. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We talked about humility last Wednesday, but let me, for those of you that were not there, humility is, is a very hard thing. Here it says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Often it's very hard to define humility. Most of the time when you think you've defined it, you've missed. But I can give you some framework for humility. Humility is making a choice. Jesus made a choice to become like us, to become a servant, to serve us. And that's choice. It takes humility. But then he also paid this ultimate price of death Whenever you are going to be a servant, there's a death process that's going to happen. Humility is a choice and then a death process because something about you needs to die. It's the throne. What aspects that you look through the lens and say, how is this working for me? How does this serve me? How do, how's my interest being met? Because that's how I'll elevate them or not elevate them. If they're not meeting my interests, if they're not serving me the way I want them to, then my service ends. It's all based on what, how they're treating and doing life for me. There will be a death process. And then in the final thing, we didn't put down the rest of it, but it says the Lord God will exalt Jesus and his name above all names. You don't even get to exalt yourself after being a servant. We saw that on that cute little video. God will exalt you. This is meat to chew on. You just get this one thing locked and loaded that I'm not going home today to just do some service. I accept that I am a servant called to carry out these roles, to take these roles from silver class to gold class. I am here to make this thing shine. I can make this the richest thing in the world. I can turn my family into this. I can do this by becoming a servant. And it is the duty of every Christian no matter what role you want to put on yourself, which one today, 
It's got to be something that you go to fill it full, not fulfill it. Fulfill it is like, oh, oh, oh. fill it full. You bring it all. You pay the costs. Yes, there's some death process, but out of that comes amazing life. And if you want renewal, give life a chance by letting some things die, by becoming and honoring what you're called to, a servant in the kingdom of God. And carry out your roles in all of life with the first defining factor of being servants of God. So when you come down the road and you find somebody that would normally hate you beaten up and on the side of life's road, trashed by what life can bring, you are not looking at them through the lens of what they were to you. You're looking at it through the lens of who you are before Almighty God. You're a servant. That's going to be a hard one. Would you stand with me, please? Everything in us resists what we've just gone through. Jesus talked about it over and over and over again. He identified it as the main problem behind religion. He said, you stand on the corners and you pray great prayers and you do great things, it seems like that. But I know you. Saying the inside of the cup is really, really messy. The outside, you just concentrate on polishing it. That is not the way that we should fulfill roles in our life. We want to fill those roles, roles fully. Jesus says, you know, when you pray, go in your closet. When you do good things, just do it, you know, where your right hand and left hand don't know what each, what each one's doing. Just doesn't even know. You just do it because I'm a servant. He eats first. You eat first, Lord. And then I know you look after me. You eat first, Lord. You're my master. I look after your interests first before I look after my own interests. I don't sit at the table and say, oh, I worked hard all day. Now, yeah, I'll just wait for you to look after you. No, I'm a servant. Father, as we bow our heads before you, sometimes we just get reminded of some truths that can so be hard to chew and swallow. We can think of all kinds of reasons not to be what you've made us to be. What as Christian men and women, we are to be. It's really easy for us, Lord, to start defending, oh, our inadequacies in our roles. Well, I was born this way. Well, I've got this issue. Well, I'm, you know, had this before. I, rather than just saying, you know what? I don't care what came before I'm a servant. Father, we don't stop on roads where there's woundedness, even in our families at times, because it's just not comfortable. And God, we need to actually just reach a higher standard. Reach to the kingdom of God. Lift us above what leads to wars in this world and wars between people and, and, and breakdown of relationships and, and, and leads to, Lord, the worst of places in that we are not allowing ourselves, we are not choosing to be servants. Save us from a selective life. May we just be all in at the front end. If you're here today and you've never bowed or never bowed the knee to Jesus, you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's got a far higher calling than the way you've been living. You've evaluated your life and 
your own goals and your own outlooks and trying to find a purpose and meaning that can be sustained over the long term. And you're going to find that that's like trying to hold air in your hand. Jesus Christ has made you for a very high purpose and plan to be part of his family, to receive him for the forgiveness of your sins because he died on the cross for you. He paid the penalty of death for your sins so that you don't have to pay that penalty. He took your punishment. But you have to accept that gift. But in accepting it, I want you to hear in the strength of today's message that you are not called now to just kind of get your ticket to heaven. There's too many with tickets to heaven. But Lord, I pray you touch these hearts and help this realization that I get to be a servant of Almighty God, of Jesus Christ. What a privilege, what an honor. So if you've never received Christ, here's a little prayer you can pray in the quietness of your own heart before him. And you might pray something like this online too. Jesus, I need you to just call me and I need to respond here. I don't want to just be a better fisherman in life. I need bigger purpose. I want to become a servant of yours. I have sinned much, many, but I accept your grace and mercy for my sins. I receive you into my life. Thank you for being my servant. And now may I learn how to become yours in all the roles of my life all the things that come this week. What an exciting journey to know that I'm your servant in a world where I can be used by you. So here's my life. I accept you, Christ. For us that are believers, you've got your prayer in your heart. You're either going to leave here as servants or with the idea of service. I implore you, serve your master as servants. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.